Hello, and welcome to Future Side Chat. My name is Rob Attrell, and I'm joined, as usual, by my cousin Mike. I hope you're excited to join us today while we talk about health. Today we'll be discussing, what is death, and can we avoid it? What are the pros and cons of the pharmaceutical industry? And what will modern medicine cure next? Thanks for tuning in to Future Chat. Now let's get started. All right, how's everybody doing? Pretty good. I'm feeling healthy. Uh, I should mention that today Nick Maddox is here with us, and he's going to sound... special intro? (laughs) (laughs) It is your special intro. I moved it. (laughs) He's going to sound so, so good this week because he got a brand new specific for podcasting microphone. It's wonderful to be here, Rob. (laughs) Nice to see you too, Mike. Yeah, that can be the gag for this week on the Medicine Cast, just me talking like this for the entire podcast. I'm sure everybody would love that. It wouldn't be a gag. It would be the most listened to show. We'll, we'll buy ad space on radio across Canada. <laughs> <laughs> just put little clips of you talking. <laughs> so, this week... We have a topic that I've been waiting for since we started the science episodes. And so originally we were going to talk about medicine and we wanted to do an episode on death. And so I thought that we would just open it up and have a preliminary episode on health. And then if, if things went in a certain direction, they would do that. If they, if we stayed on medicine for a while, I'd be fine. And we'd follow up on other things, but just get, get into health. And uh, everyone seemed on board with that, so that's what we're going to do. So this is different from nutrition, right? This is different from nutrition, yeah. Yeah. And I feel, in keeping with our running tradition, um, remember when we did the nutrition episode and we all ate pizza later? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I am doing a medicine or a health episode, and I am currently still sick. I got my mother sick this week, and I got my dad sick too, it seems, so... <laughs> this, uh, this episode, I don't think I have any authority whatsoever. Well, no, there's a lot of people that would say, oh, ha, 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 you're doing an episode on health and Nick is sick. That's so ironic, but it's not. Like, humans get sick. It's us getting sick is us reacting to whatever is afflicting us. We don't have a sore throat because we're sick. We have a sore throat because of our bodies trying to fight that we have an infection. Obviously, there's a certain point where... Like, sore throat specifically, or are we just talking in general? No, it's just general. I mean, like, allergic responses, for instance. Like, your body... Obviously, if you have a disease like flesh-eating disease, your body's reaction isn't to die. It's the bacteria that's eating it. But, like, there are a lot of things where it's your body's response that is the symptom, but it's your your body trying to fight it. Or, like, asthma. My my body just really, really (laughs) hates allergens and everything. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. well, and a fever is a good example of that too. That the fever is trying to kill, yeah, whatever it is that's attacking you. Yeah, I mean, bacteria have evolved over millions of years to specifically work at thirty-seven point whatever mm-hmm. degrees, which is our our ideal body temperature. And so the body raises it a couple degrees to make it less hospitable for whatever bacteria or virus. Uh, I'm gonna start with uh, homeopathy. 
specifically the debunking or the at least the myth busting of homeopathy. I was going to jump in and be like, but I thought we were going to talk about actual medicine, Rob. <laughs> we we'll, we'll get to actual medicine later. I have some problems with that as well, but <clears throat> for the time being, uh, we'll file we'll file homeopathy things like homeopathy things like uh, the natural health industry natural health products. Um, they're basically they're basically pitched as oh, regular medicine doesn't work for you, you should try this, because karma, usually. I don't know what the what the argument is, but... Yeah. Well, Rob, it's all natural, and Mother Mother Earth wouldn't hurt you. I think, I think a big thing is just, oh, there's all this whatever in actual medicine, so take this because it's natural. That's, that's the argument for it. Yeah, I mean, I... I I guess as a layperson, I'm, if, if you're trying to sell someone on natural medicine, that's the pitch you'd use. But as someone who is trained in chemistry, it's just, it makes no sense to me. Like, it's the opposite of reality. Uh, if you're buying a, a natural health supplement, more commonly known as a vitamin, I mean, if, you're, if, you're, if, a, if a doctor prescribes you a vitamin, that's one thing. But we're talking about specifically like, oh, I, I don't know. What's it, what's a good example of a vitamin that people take? Like something like calcium, which again, if a doctor prescribes it, is one thing. But we're talking about like, oh, I want stronger bones. I'm going to take uh, supplemental calcium. Like that's not really going to help you as as much if you as you want, if any. But there's calcium. There are people that need to take calcium supplements. Right, and that's a doc, if a doctor prescribes it or suggests it, or even a person like a, on, on medical advice, you have osteoporosis or something, take calcium by all means. I'm talking about the, the supplement industry, not the medical industry. <laughs> so you're saying you're, you're giving people their your blessing to take calcium? Uh, of course. If you if you need to take calcium because you have a, an affliction that lowers your calcium, that's one thing. But being like, oh, it's healthy to have more calcium, it's not going to do anything. It might not hurt you, but it's just wasting your money. Expensive urine. Yeah, as as Sheldon would say. And uh as they pointed out on last week tonight, a lot of the uh a lot of the natural health supplements, I think it was about a third of them that they tested, they just had no trace of the advertised ingredient whatsoever. So it's just he likened it to, you know, if you bought three bags of milk and one of those bags was filled with not milk, maybe <laughs> you'd start asking some questions. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the sort of the worst part of that natural health industry is that it's specifically and purposefully separate from medicine in that it doesn't need any regulation mm-hmm. at all. You don't have to prove that it's effective. You don't have to pro- There are certain things you have to prove that aren't in it, like you prove certain toxins aren't in it or certain chemicals. But in terms of needing a certain amount of whatever substance you say is in it, it's not necessary. You don't have to prove it. You just slap a label on it and call it a day. And in the States specifically, that's uh, it's regulated by the FTC and the FDA. I don't know if... Mike, you haven't seen this episode. I'm pretty sure Rob has. Of what? Uh, last week tonight. We oh, talked about yeah. this. You know, but the FTC is just the Federal Trade Commission is just like, well, we'll we'll defer to the Food and Drug Administration because that seems like the logical thing to do. But uh, 
the FDA has been specifically and deliberately crippled of its ability to uh, take proactive regulation with vitamins specifically. And it's all because, like, they tried to start regulating more after <clears throat> a supplement killed a bunch of people. And then the industry and Mel Gibson didn't like that, so they ran a very successful ad campaign, which crippled the FDA's ability to proactively test these things. So they just if it's natural, they just can't test it unless it starts killing people. Right. They can look into it after the fact, but there's no way for them to get ahead of it. Yeah, which is awful because, I don't know, I specifically am a big fan of regulation because it turns out when you give companies a financial incentive to, you know, make money off a, co a product, questionable or not, they're probably not going to stop making money off of it if they can help it. Yeah. Or, that's poorly explained, but, you know. Conflict of interest is what I want to say. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's a huge con conflict of interest. There's If there's money to be made, people are going to exploit any loopholes that exist and or, in this case, create new loopholes to jump through. Mm -hmm. Like, I've blogged about the rail industry, and I seem to recall at least one or two governments ago, they put ahead big efforts to minimize the regulations on the industry and then a bunch of train cars started exploding. So that's a problem, yeah. I think. I think a lot of people would agree with you on that. <laughs> Correlation yeah. is not equal causation, though. <laughs> no. Yeah, we, we here on Future Chat have taken the bold stance that exploding trains are bad. <laughs> <laughs> Finger on the mute button, Nick. But I digress. <laughs> so homeopathy. Um, yeah, homeopathy is a whole other issue. And Would you explain the theory of homeopathy to us, Rob? Yeah, so the part of it that I'm familiar with, which I assume is the main part, is the idea that water and other, I assume other substances, it may just be water, has a memory of things that have been in it. And no. no that's part of it. I'm get, I'll get there. It's part, yeah. Okay. And so if you, have, if you take a concentration of some supplement uh, and dilute it up, for example, 100 times, it becomes stronger. And there's there's just absolutely no scientific evidence at all to back that up. And to take it one step further, there's normally, they try to have what I would call a quasi-scientific explanation for which supplements cure which ailments based on, I guess, sort of haphazard association or affiliation. <laughs> Do you have a better way of explaining that, Nick? Because I, Well, the actual... The actual rationale behind homeopathy is that the like the poison or whatever you know whatever the uh, adverse stimulus is whatever causes the ailment yeah um, that's what you need to repeatedly expose yourself to to cure yourself of the problem 
So they're saying, you know, if you have if you expose yourself to just a little tiny bit of it constantly, then you'll be used to it and you'll be ready for it when it actually gets to you. But the they take that to the extreme and they say, okay, so the more diluted it is, the more powerful it is. Because, you know, the less you actually have to deal with, the better. But that helps you more because magic science. <laughs> Quantum physics, guys. Completely <laughs> untestable crap. <laughs> but yeah, they throw that out there and then they perform a bunch of serial dilutions on the thing to the point where when you take a dose of the medicine, you might get a molecule or an atom of what they say you should be receiving. Yeah. Well, Rob, you're saying it's untestable, but it's entirely testable. No, no, no. But they're not saying they're not saying that there is that molecule in the elixir. They're saying the power of that molecule, like its memory, is still in right. the liquid. Yeah, right. and that was that was a paper that came out to try and justify homeopathy because they did so many serial dilutions, and then this one guy came out with a paper that said, "Hey, I did all these serial dilutions, and even though." there shouldn't be anything in this water right now. The tests are still running positive. So his hypothesis was that there was this weird, like, molecular memory around the shape of the molecule. And so the water itself would cure you because it mimicked what the molecule would be like without actually putting that molecule into you. And so naturally, when he went to publish that, uh, the... I think it was uh, it would have been science or nature. I assume. Do you know which it was, Rob? Uh, I don't know. It it might have been a medical journal too. Yeah. But okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, they I seem to if I'm remembering the timelines right, they were they learned their lesson from the whole Lancet MMR vaccine thing, and they say they said, hey, so you're making some pretty fantastic claims right now. We'd like to, you know, just redo your science before publishing this. And he's like, yeah, sure, that's okay. And they brought auditors in to watch the experiment, and they're like, yeah, your your methods are awful. Like, you've got contamination or something. You, you can't do this. And they're like, but why? Like, shut up, bro. Like, <laughs> don't, like, ruin my science with your regulations. God. And nobody could reproduce it, and their methods were faulty. And but that doesn't stop you in the internet age. So <laughs> it got out, and people read the paper. They don't read any of the retractions or subsequent rebuttals. Yeah. But they read that paper, and they're like, "Oh, science." <laughs> well, well, and there's a there's a whole aspect to the natural health industry that relies heavily on the placebo effect, which is yeah. a real scientifically measured effect. People have taken studies of things like Tylenol, and you can do a double-blind, absolutely perfectly controlled study with Tylenol versus extra-strength Tylenol versus placebo of Tylenol and extra-strength Tylenol, and people will feel better after having taken the extra-strength Tylenol placebo than they did taking the normal-strength Tylenol placebo. It just, hmm. if the better you think it's going to work, the better it will work, regardless of any other factor. And so in, in, that, in that way, if you believe in homeopathy, it will work. It will show a measurable effect, but that doesn't mean there's any magic going on. It doesn't mean there's any, any relevance to homeopathy as a science. 
Well, and the other the other factor at play here is sometimes false attribution. So yep. sometimes you just take different natural supplements or homeopathic supplements, and then you just get better because you're going to get better anyway. Mm-hmm. But you attribute it to whatever supplement you were taking at the time. Well, that that's how old wise tales like become a thing. It's like you know you get wet, you catch a cold, or you eat before swimming and you drown. Like it's all that kind of stuff where you know you have one case where you got wet and then the next day you got a cold and it's like oh it must have been because I got wet and then that perpetuates and becomes a thing and it's like well. No, you're probably going to get sick anyway. So <laughs> You were already sick before you already this sick. happened. Yeah, right? like, it's that kind of thing. But, you know, in the pre-science era, even with, like, you know, our grandparents and great-grandparents or whatever, before the internet and mass education of those types of things, just old wise tales ruled how people did things and approached medication and behaviors. Yeah. It's all they had to go on at that time. Yeah. Well, it's like, Oh man, I licked my sick neighbor, and then when I was walking home, I got wet. It must have been getting wet. <laughs> it's. I want to go back a bit to the, the homeopathy thing because when you're talking about cereal, cereal dilutions, that's the idea of taking, of say a hundred milliliters of liquid, extracting one milliliter, so one one hundredth, of, the liquid, and putting it into a, another hundred milliliters of new, fresh, supposedly clean water. And so it's 100% less concentrated. And then taking that new substance, that new 101 milliliters of of stuff that has 100 times less, and taking that and performing the same experiment repetitively. So just diluting it more and more. It's become that that factor less concentrated each time. Yeah. Yeah. And so typical homeopathic treatments require, I think it's a 30 times... They go 30 times through that 100-time dilution process. And so what you end up with, in typical homeopathic solutions, you literally, it's scientifically proven that you have, you will have more molecules of whatever you put in in normal tap water, like by by a huge factor than the original had. Like you could take urine from... Like, you could pee directly into a cup and do the cereal dilution. Even if the first cup was all urine, there would not be a single molecule. Like, you'd have a higher concentration of urine in this final diluted substance than you did when you peed into the cup. Like, it's... Graphic. Well, cereal, like, cereal dilution to that, to the homeopathic extent, only works if you believe that it has magic powers, because there is literally... None. Statistically, there are no molecules of the original left. Yep. It, Nature, Rob. <laughs> I, I, I have I have Crystal. a funny story about homeopath home homeopathy. Um, so if if I could ask a question, like we're basically saying that if I took this cup of espresso and poured it into this cup of water right now, I would get less concentrated coffee in this water. Should I get more jazzed up from the caffeine that way? <laughs> uh, well, water is pretty good in itself. I mean, it looks like cold water because it has some condensation. It would probably help you. But I wouldn't say it's because it's stronger caffeine-wise. But homeopathy and dilutions <laughs> and Wait, nature. No, no, Nick, you're getting love. the wrong 
message here. We're saying this is wrong. <laughs> I know this is this is satirical, Nick. Oh, I need I need to hold up a sign when I'm being satirical. I, I was about to kick you out of this chat. You were going. <laughs> I accidentally bought homeopathic medicine the other day. Is this the story or is this a yeah, separate story? This is the story. Go so, on. so my mother-in-law asked me to oh. buy <laughs> asked me to buy some ointment, like pain relief ointment for Maria's sister's knee. Okay. Like, oh, it's this Tramiel thing, and I look it up. It's like, oh, it's sold at Walmart. Okay, go over, buy it, give it over. It's like, okay, whatever. Then I see on the news that this company who makes Tramiel has to now disclaim that it is not scientifically proven and that it is a homeopathic <laughs> remedy. And I'm like, are you serious? Like, they sold this thing in the pharmacy at Walmart next to everything else, like, you know, A535 type medicines. And they had this other ointment there. And there, it's being sold as an actual pain relief medicine. And it's, it's, there's nothing in it. And I felt, I felt dirty for buying it and giving it over. <laughs> Mike, Mike, it's okay. You didn't know. It's okay. <laughs> there's nothing you could have done. You didn't no. know. He could have done his research, let's be honest. <laughs> but see, it wasn't, that's the thing, it wasn't for me, and it wasn't for anyone in so my family. So like, oh, buy this thing. Like, I was like, she asked for it, so I was like, hey, that's, I'm not going to not. But I think, I think the important question is, does she feel better? I, I don't know. I'd have to ask to see. It depends if you <laughs> saw that news report. <laughs> Just like, run up and like slap it out of her head. No! <laughs> slap it. Like, it goes all over the wall. Just <laughs> do, Mike. It's homeopathic. It doesn't work. So it wasn't going to hurt me. Well, you no, but it wasn't going to work. <laughs> you can take that to a ridiculous level, though, because there was a class action suit against Red Bull because they claimed that their the, like uh, that Red Bull gave you an actual measurable stimulation because of the substances like taurine in it, and that's not true, and. Their, their commercials basically supposedly misled people. And so they're facing a class action suit. I think they said it was about $10 for every person that yeah. filed. Either 10 bucks or 15 bucks in Red Bull product. <laughs> Is that Seriously. an actual... Yeah. I was, I was thinking of joining the class action suit. <laughs> I always assume something like that is limited to a certain country. No, it's... You it's, can't just like jump on, but... Yeah, no, whoever can jump on. Why don't you? Get the, get the Red Bull products, though. That would... Yeah, I would. I want a Red Bull hat. <laughs> no, it's like actual Red Bull drink, like 15 yeah. bucks worth of drinks. Yeah. <clears throat> That's really funny. Yeah. So the effect of the class action lawsuit is that you're going to get more of their product for free. <laughs> or 10 bucks cash. I think it's safe <laughs> to say that they, their reputation hasn't suffered that much. No, I don't think so. They still got the fluke tog. It'll be fine. They still have. Is Red Bull is crashed? Crashed Ice is Red Bull too, right? Yeah. They did a bunch of extreme. They did the Felix Baumgartner space jump. They're fine. Yeah. No worries. <laughs> is there anything else we want to say about uh, homeopathy? Can we can we shift to vitamins? Yes. Yes. Uh, so I've grown up thinking that vitamins were useful. Things like vitamin C, obviously, if you're getting none, it's a problem. But other than that, you're probably fine again unless a doctor says something. There are lots of things like B vitamins, E, 
uh, vitamin is K a vitamin? Potassium, no. right? Um, vitamin D. Yeah, vitamin D. If, if are there vitamin D supplements? Yeah. Yeah. Just drops. Interesting. Because like well, going outside raises your vitamin D. So I guess if you can't go outside, like if you're on a Mars mission or something, vitamin D would be helpful. No, like even in uh, even in Canada, you're supposed to take. Well, they put vitamin D in milk for this reason, but because we're in a northern climate and the effect of UV scattering when the sun sits so low in the sky, like there's not actually enough UV in the sunlight for you to start producing vitamin D. Right. Well, it's vitamin D you're actually supposed to get some of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But you get it from normally you get it from sun exposure, and the fact that it's cold and so we're bundled up and all you see is your face. That's the reason we're not getting enough vitamin D. The scattering no, like I've heard might you, can't, you can't even get you can't get enough from the sunlight because there's not enough ultraviolet in the light that reaches you anymore in like northern climates like us. This is what I've heard. We can do the math later, I suppose. Well, I don't know if we need to do math. We can look up people who already did the math. And you're That's just going to believe them? <laughs> I believe... I believe lots of scientists. I trust Einstein's work. Was it peer-reviewed? Yes. Oh, okay, then we're good. Well, yeah, I'm talking about peer-reviewed. <laughs> I am. Um, I always find it funny that people will talk about their vitamin supplements as though it's like it's it's part of a regimen, they do it every day, and they don't even think about it anymore. And again, not not with stuff like vitamin D, and obviously they've already solved this problem with vitamin D. But I, every time someone brings up a vitamin they're taking, I always point out, even though they find it annoying, why are you taking that? Like, it doesn't do anything. And I, like, I'll direct them to science if they want it. Normally they're just like, shut up, I'm just going to do this. I find it very strange, though. So I guess my whole thing is from a nutrition aspect. I mean, this is more related to nutrition than health, but kind of hand-in-hand, hand, that... And especially with kids, but even with adults too. Generally, adults will eat the same thing their kids are. Um, that, like, you're supposed to get whatever vitamins from your diet. If you're not eating things that are vitamin rich, say like just bread and cheese and I don't know, bread and cheese, bologna, and bologna, Pretty right? Then, then you're probably not getting a ton of vitamin A or B or whatever from what you're eating. Right, so it's like, well, you need those vitamins from somewhere, assuming that they're actually useful vitamins. Then it's like that's where supplements come in because you're not getting those vitamins from what you're eating. Right. Uh, so what's what's your point in in that? That I think supplements can be useful if you're not getting them from other sources. If you're already getting them from what you're eating, like say someone who's like a marathon runner, who's eats well and whatever and goes outside and gets their vitamin D and whatever, then they don't need supplements because they're already getting everything they need. So their body's just going to get rid of it anyway because it's too much. But if it's someone who's actually deficient in those vitamins, then those supplements actually would help. Right. Interesting. That is That matches up with what I've heard. Although you should be trying to get it from your diet wherever right. possible. Right. Yeah, uh, dietary, especially in the case of fat-soluble vitamins, it's a lot healthier to be getting them dietarily than it is to be getting them by supplement. Oh, yeah, because if you I, supplement, you can start getting the toxicities of the fat-soluble vitamins, which yeah. 
Rob, I, if you remember Biochem 2000 or whatever it was. I remember every single second of those lectures. They looked horrible. They do, yeah. Oh. Things like, something like vitamin C, you're not going to notice no. a deficiency until you get scurvy. Yeah. That's vitamin C is one of the ones I think that's, like, way too overtaken. Like, you get vitamin C in everything. Like, yeah. you look at, like, a box of juice and it's 100% vitamin C, and it's like, okay, like... <laughs> Because it's, it's, it's used as acidity control, right? So you, you get it from everything. Like. Yeah. But I mean, like, vitamins, the water-soluble vitamins, so all the Bs and Cs, I think, they're water-soluble, so they will go right through you. Like, you have to take a ton to start getting towards the toxicity, so they just, it's not really something to worry about. Also, we should take a moment and talk about the vitamin nomenclature, because I think that is just an awful, awful system we have going it is i mean it, i get why they're i mean for, to a certain point at least i get why they're doing it i don't i don't necessarily agree with the b vitamin na- naming system but well and like if we can explain briefly to our viewers yeah, go ahead vitamins are vital amines because the first vitamin they discovered was an amine there yeah. had an amine functional group on it so they were like oh let's call these vitamins and then they discovered, like, A through a bunch, and then they realized that, no, some of those don't actually exist, so it got shortened to A through E. But then they realized that what they thought was vitamin B was actually a bunch of different ones. So they got all the way from, like, vitamin B1 to B12, but then they realized that some of those weren't actually vitamins, so they have, like, chopped out of the middle, so it's like... One through six, and then it skips to nine, and then it skips to twelve, or something like that. Because yeah, just you'd think we could stop and just like change the naming system to be like, okay, we have just we have really like messed this one up, guys. Let's just fix it. But no, everyone's like, no. But we all know the names now. It's like, yeah. All right. Okay. We're stuck trying to learn the gaps, and then eventually, some of us, some of biochem graduates, teach the gaps and teach what all of these things mean and all the vitamins actually have their own names as well. Yeah. It's, and that, there are vitamins that don't even fit in that system. If we're going to stick with the, the vital vitamins, we may as well keep going. Like, why would we have stopped? <laughs> because they're not amines? Are all the vitamin... That I don't actually remember. Vitamins amines? I don't think so. I mean, they might all have an NH2 group on them, but does that... <laughs> I honestly don't remember. Yeah, it's it's been a long... like It's been a really long time, but I think it was... Oh, man. I can't remember. There's one of them that has iron in it. Is it vitamin K? I don't think iron. vitamin K is a vitamin. I could be wrong. Maybe I'm thinking of something Maybe. else. Maybe I'm thinking of B12. If only we had, like... <laughs> some way of looking this up at our fingertips. Is that what, is that what we're going to do here? That's what I'm doing, because honestly... Oh, wait, vitamin K? It's a yeah. real thing. Well, how about that? It's fat-soluble. One of them has this giant structure, I remember, and I think it's K. Uh, it's, it's got, like, a three-repeating bracket thing on it. That's not what I'm thinking of. It's probably B12, then. Oh, I'm thinking of vitamin R from The Simpsons. <laughs> What's that? It was in Malk. Not Malk, oh. Malk. Now with vitamin R. 
Apparently there's vitamin K in kale, spinach, collards, broccoli. Well, that makes sense for broccoli and kale and collard greens, because there's the hard cut sound, I suppose. Because <laughs> that's how they're named. <laughs> I don't know about that one. <laughs> I am thinking of... Are you just thinking of iron? No. Pretty sure iron is... I was thinking of B12, cobalamin. That's in cobalt? Yeah. Oh. It, and it does have an amine. Yeah, it's B12. It's got this giant, uh, really complicated ring structure with a cobalt in the middle of it. B12. Actually, they've done... What was that one? It was related to guilt, I believe. They, they were able to... I don't know if how necessarily big an effect it was, but if you're deficient in vitamin 12, you like lose the ability to feel guilty. Or, or gain <laughs> heightened guilt. <laughs> One or the other. Wow. It changes, it changes your guilt. Yeah, it's weird. Man, honestly, what a... Vitamin B1, B2, B3, B5, <laughs> B6, B7, B9, B12. Oh. Preparations A through G have failed, and now we <laughs> preparation H. <laughs> yeah, and then even vitamin A, B, C... D E K. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's not very helpful. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I think that the advice that we can close out vitamins with is if a doctor tells you, recommends you take a vitamin supplement, by all means. If you're pregnant, by all means, take a prenatal vitamin. But other than that, there's you're not. Like if you're taking it, what? You're probably getting expensive urine is what you're getting. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think if anything you can say talk to a medical or health professional. Yeah. I think that's the main advice because yeah, just don't don't take vitamins just for the sake of it because you think they'll help you. Just Yeah. And don't go sure to you... a don't go to a natural health store <laughs> and ask the guy what you should take. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you have a lot of money and you don't particularly care about your money or your health. Yeah. Or you, or you would like just an expensive placebo effect. And then... Which, again, technically would work, but I don't yeah. think it's worth... <laughs> now, Get a doctor. <laughs> well, and why do you think people do this? Because I think it's a lot of distrust of the pharmaceutical industry. Yeah. Well, people don't know, so they have to trust... They have to trust somebody with, with the advanced knowledge, and the pharmaceutical industry has burned them. So they, they look to the next person who's claiming that they know, and that's the natural health industry. Even yeah. though the FDA regulates medicine a lot more than it regulates not medicine. Well, I mean, the other thing is, like, assuming that we just ignore natural medicine because we don't like it is assuming that capitalism isn't really all that profit-driven. As per yeah. XKCD. True. That's true, but I don't think that we need to discredit the nat like natural health products. I just think that we need to test them properly. Things like willow bark gave us aspirin. That the reason we yeah. have aspirin is because of a natural health product that was tested and refined and And mm -hmm. coca leaves gave us cocaine. <laughs> Well, and morphine <laughs> came, from, <laughs> came from opium. 
Yeah, but like, but that, yeah, and I mean, that's how they, they still do some of that today. Like, they take products from the rainforest and run it through a scanner and see if any of them have any, I want to say psychoactive or bioactive properties. Yeah. Like, they still do that today. It's just, Mm -hmm. it seems like if it actually worked, someone wants, someone, you know, of consequence would want to make money off of that. Yeah. And, And the entire pharmaceutical industry as a whole now has been around long enough that they know what's worth what will make money and what won't and so they can actually say they can actually do it run a whole risk analysis and say oh this this might cure millions of people but it won't we won't be able to charge enough to recoup our losses from it so we're not going to do this unless it's something hugely contagious and then they're going to pour a whole bunch of money into it and resources like Ebola there I said it Ebola are you saying that we could easily cure Ebola, Rob? I'm saying we don't know how hard it is to cure because we haven't been putting money into it until, well, starting in 1970, very little money, but starting this year, a whole lot of money trying to mass produce vaccines or antibody serums that may or may not work. And I, Well, I think another challenge to that is how do you test it because you have to... Like, if you were to give a treatment to someone, you have to treat someone with Ebola, and that runs its course in, like, two weeks? If if that. It, it incubates for up from two days up to 21 days, and then you have, like, a day or two. If you're not fighting it at all, you have a day or two before it bleeds you out internally. Wouldn't you just, like, give a rat Ebola and then cure it? They do testing on rats... But because their physiology and their anatomy is similar to humans, but it doesn't it's not conclusive in any way. And we have no way of knowing if a certain drug will affect rats and humans differently until we test both. Right. We've used them as an analog. But there's also the fact that we now breed rats, some rats, specifically for this these kind of tests. Right. And oh. so they, their evolutionary cycle is a lot faster. And so you're, and you end up breeding, in some cases, rats that have specific, uh, either specific differences from human physiology or specific differences from normal rats. Or like the same thing we've done with dog breeding, where we have a bunch of genetic freaks because they have certain specific traits we like. The same thing is happening with rats. Cute freaks. <laughs> Adorable <laughs> freaks, Rob. College Humor has a great video on dog breeds. Yeah, I'm going to put a link to it in the notes just because <laughs> everyone should watch it because it's hilarious and so true. Um, but yeah, so in terms of rat testing as a precursor to human testing, it, it I, there's no way to know. And again, because we're, it's hard to give, like if you, have a, if you have cancer and you give a rat a tumor, you can test it, but there's no telling that Ebola or a specific strain of Ebola will actually will necessarily affect a rat in the same way with the human if you can even get it to them. We're not at that point yet, and it's such a dangerous pathogen that we would want to have it completely under control in terms of an outbreak before starting to do this kind of testing where you're sitting in a lab and there's only going to be a couple labs in the country 
that or in any given country, but mostly first world countries like the States, there's only going to be a couple labs that are actually certified to test things that are as virulent as Ebola. This is, I learned this from watching the movie Outbreak in like whatever, 1998 or whatever, when it came out. But the science of, of that movie may have been stretched a bit, but the, in general, that is very similar to what would happen if Ebola went airborne. And so the, the biggest thing that's holding it back right now is that it's not. And so it's hard to transmit in first world countries because as soon as someone's symptomatic, they're quarantined. And everyone they're in contact with was quarantined. So you, it's not going to spread as easily here, or if at all, compared to Africa. Well, so should we end the show? Should we end it? Is that... <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I should delete the video I made on Ebola and just put that <laughs> last few minutes. Because, <laughs> yeah... I should give. I should have given a note at the beginning. I'm not a doctor. I don't have medical training, but I know a lot. I've done a lot of research and I've done a lot of reading on these kinds of things, and so I'm confident in saying there is a very low risk of Ebola outbreaks happening in North America, but it's certainly not impossible. And something would have to change from the current situation for it to become more likely or for it to happen. Yeah. Well, I think the, the whole thing is that it's not airborne. That's yeah. kind of, at this point, the main inhibitor to it spreading like it does in Africa. Well, it's not airborne, and also, while you're not symptomatic, you're not contagious. As mm-hmm. opposed to the flu or the cold, which are so much worse because you don't have to be sneezing and sniffling to be able to transmit the cold to someone else. Or the flu. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The cold and the flu, they're basically the same thing. I don't, <laughs> I don't know why there's such a distinction, like... Treat it differently. You just stay inside, stay warm, drink fluids. It's a virus. They're both what viruses. are you saying? The treatment isn't that different. The treatment is like... Is it cold viral? Do we know that? Sorry? Is, is a cold viral? Uh, the cold is a class of rhinoviruses that affect your sinuses and like that. You're not okay. Concerned. And the flu is specifically influenza. Yeah. But there's also a bunch of other things that people call the flu or I have a stomach flu or something like that, which is not the flu at all because the flu right. is influenza. Yeah, and there's also the, what is it, the D68 enterovirus. Yeah, that, that one. Around, and that apparently Chio now has cases of, uh, which is the, the, the children's hospital here, which is a stomach virus that is, apparently it's a rare strain and it's more contagious than typical enteroviruses. Hmm. That's another whole thing that's happening. Like they, they're saying it's a pretty big outbreak in the states, but now it's come to Canada because again, you can transmit that a lot more easily than something that isn't as contagious or airborne. Although I don't think the enterovirus is airborne. So that's why you're sick, Nick, because there's just so much, especially when it when the weather starts getting colder. People aren't necessarily bundled up in preparation for it get sick, and then you spread it around. your immune system, and you stay cooped up inside with other sick people, so you get sick easier. Yeah. Yeah, usually a cold gets passed back and forth in our house a couple times before it... Yeah. Well, I mean, when I'm riding my bike to work, because it's nice out, I'm alone, 
I'm not on the bus with a bunch of other, you know, bags of diseases that we can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I tend to take the Dwight Schrute method of keeping my immune system healthy, just exposing myself to everything so that I get a ton of antibodies built up. So, like, right now, I am sick. I can feel it. But it's not bad. Like, it, I, do, I don't really get bad colds except once every five years or something because I my immune system is strong. I make sure that I keep it strong. You work out your immune system? I do. I, keep it <laughs> I like dirt every three days. <laughs> I keep it fit. Well, like, I don't care. I like it. Go around licking doorknobs. It's not that bad, but for instance, <laughs> I don't care about the five-second rule. If something falls on the ground and it's edible and it's not, like, wet, I'm going to eat it. Like, I'm going to eat a cracker that falls that's, anywhere. That's a given. I do Outside, that. I don't care. Like, <laughs> Well, I don't know. For, for me, the biggest factor is sleep. Like, if I'm not sleeping enough, I just will get sick. So long as... If I get good sleep constantly for a long time... I just, I have no worries about getting sick. But all of a sudden, if I'm tired for a few days in a row, or I miss enough good nights of sleep, it's just a given. I'm just going to get sick with something. Yeah. I, uh, I'm i pretty happy with what I've done with my um, sleep regimen in that I tend to get at least seven hours every night. And so if I spend a night like I did on Thursday night, where I only slept a little under six hours because I was reading and just stayed up the entire night until like 12.15 or 12.30 reading when I have to get up at six. Yeah, that's all night. <laughs> I, I stayed up two hours. Like, I laid in bed in the dark reading for two hours, and I was fine. Like, that was my best sleep of the week, <laughs> and I got two hours less than I usually do. I love it. I'm glad. Yeah. Do you want to move on? I feel like we, we did move a bit. What do we have to talk um, about? Yeah, the human microbiome and I like I love the human microbiome. Can we talk about that? It's so cool. <laughs> I'm I gonna mean, put another Yeah, go ahead. I mean we've talked I mean recently gut health has been in the media and stuff like that. But you know, maintaining healthy intestinal flora and that's a part, or that's the first part of the human microbiome that I started hearing about. Not least of all because that's how C. difficile happens. Yeah. Antibiotic resistant uh, bacteria that lives in your gut. But it started in Quebec because they would give people broad spectrum antibiotics. It would wipe out all the gut flora except C. difficile, and then these people would get ridiculously sick. And the only. <laughs> The way they cure it, are we all familiar with how they cure that? Oh, yes. I'm going to put a link because, yeah. No, you have to, like, poop transplants are the answer to yes. start repopulating with all the normal gut flora. I think that was on a house episode, too. Sorry? I seem to remember that, I seem to remember that being on a house episode where they gave, like, a broad spectrum and then it killed everything except this one thing and then that's what was... Yeah, that's how C difficile spreads. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember if they did a poop transplant on house or if they just did something like that where they gave them... I'm sure... I know it happened several times where they gave them a drug, it killed everything except this one thing, and then the one thing got way worse. Yeah. That's how it happens. 
but yeah, so the human humans, it's been shown many times. Well, actually, before I say that, I should clarify that there's a statistic that's often quoted that you have 10 times more bacteria in your biomass than you do human cells, or 10 times or something. I think the number that I've heard quoted is 38 trillion bacteria, but it turns out that was a number, whatever the number is, it's around in the trillions, so tens of trillions. It turns out some guy, some doctor just, like, pulled it out of thin air. He didn't, there's no medical basis for that exact number. He was just like, oh, it's probably somewhere in this neighborhood. So there's no there's no actual way to quantify how many bacteria we have, but it's a lot. Like the, there's so many bacteria all over us that are doing work for us. And so the thing estimate that I've you, heard is like a few pounds in your body at any given time. Yeah, and they're a lot smaller than a our lot. cells. Yeah, they're a lot smaller than our cells though. So that few pounds makes a bigger number total. Can you imagine like holding a bag of bacteria that's like a couple pounds heavy? I wonder what it would look like. I know. It's like, it's just bacteria. Like, it'd be like bugs, kind of, like... But, but like, like so small. Yeah. I imagine it would be like... Like you had a really large sneeze and caught it all in a bag. <laughs> like a few pounds <laughs> worth of sneeze. Just held it up. It was like... Oh. <laughs> That's what I'm envisioning. That's funny. Yeah. It, it's weird because all of those bacteria, it's not just our gut that has a microbiome, our skin has a microbiome of its own. And there's a bunch of research and Nick and I, I think we've talked about this. I forget where it was, if it was on the record at all. No. Um, but, oh no, it was, it was after I posted that video, we had a little comment war about it. I'm going to put a link to that too. I'm doing this thing where I want to put more links to stuff. Um, so it's so the skin microbiome. Sorry. So there was this comment war. I would have called it a discussion. Yeah, sure. That's fine. I'm trying to be... People like when there's dissent, when there's sort of disagreement, and so I'm going to call it a battle. Rob, you're wrong. You're objectively (laughs) wrong, and I hate you. And shut up. I can't stay mad at you. (laughs) I'm trying to help. I'm trying to to foment dissent. It's, It's not working. Rob, look at you and your stupid blue eyes. I couldn't get lost in them forever at all. Oh man! I'm gonna okay. This comment discussion that took place was because I read it was a war. very. Shut up! I hate you. <laughs> it was a very interesting story about this guy who did who, <clears throat> who took a, who a guy said I guess you call it a treatment, but he gave himself a, a bath of sorts or a dry bath with a bacterial treatment that was supposed to keep your skin healthy through regenerating your skin uh, microbiome or bacteria, bacterial colony. And he found that for the first few days it was kind of gross because you're going to start to smell bad and obviously, but after you get over that initial sort of shock to your system, this skin microbiome, the bacteria that you're putting on, the healthy bacteria that you're putting on your body will keep, will fend off everything that would cause smells like the bad bacteria that it's, it's very well known that your body sweats and all that. And it's, it's bacteria of a certain kind that come and eat the sweat. And that's what smells their poop or whatever their, 
whatever the <laughs> bacterial equivalent of poop is, but I'm going to call it poop because it's funnier. Waste? Yes, waste is a good word. Waste is much more scientific. Um, and so after 30 days or so on this treatment where he's just just got healthy bacteria, he doesn't. you don't need to shower because he's not dirty per se. There's no dirt on him. It's just bacteria. It was indiscernible. It was as though he didn't have... It was as though he showered every day and he was perfectly clean and he was perfectly healthy. And I just think that's the most awesome way to do things. And Nick and I, we were discussing very, in a very loving way how we would love to do that. Is that yeah. right, Nick? Yeah, I would love to do that so much. <laughs> Maybe we were fighting over who wants to do it more. <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds very familiar. But I mean, it makes... At the risk of just spouting what I think might sound like pseudoscience, it makes sense that, I mean, for most of human history, we didn't shower every day. And, like, I don't think we got that offensive. Otherwise, we would bathe more. Yeah. That sounds like paleo diet reasoning. No. That's, and that's my problem. But, it, but <laughs> I mean, the impetus for this experiment was watching... Um, Animals take uh, dirt baths, like dry dirt baths, mm -hmm. and th they looked at them one day and was like, why do they do that? It doesn't actually make sense. So they actually screened through a bunch of the stuff in the dirt and found there was bacteria that lived off, like, the equivalent of sweat and stuff like that. So, and there was this one that thrived upon, I don't know, some nitrogen-rich thing that we excrete, I think, Rob, correct me if I'm wrong, but... Uh, that sounds reasonable. <laughs> but they figured they figured out that's why animals take mud baths, and they thought, oh, well, maybe there's one that would work well for the human microbiome. And so, it, I mean, with the sheer number of bacteria out there, it seems reasonable that there would be a couple, anyway, that would thrive particularly well on the skin. Yeah. I have, growing up... I was, like, fiendish. If I, when I was 16 or 15 or whatever, and I got acne, I would take such good, what I thought was such good care of my face, like, so good. I would wash it. I would put whatever um, uh, acetyl salicylic acid. Is that, no, that's, that's aspirin. I'm thinking it was sorbic acid. The, um, that's vitamin C. The, the acne treatment, whatever it's whatever. I it know is. what you're talking about. Too. I know. <laughs> I think it's sal salicylic acid. acid. That's what it yeah, is. that sounds right. Yeah. Um, so it's close to aspirin, but <laughs> so basically, no, it is acetyl salicylic acid is one acetate group added to salicylic acid. Anyways. Details. <laughs> um, <laughs> exactly, and so it dries out your skin, and it's supposed to close up these pores, but it also destroys the bacterial colonies on your face, and so when I hit university, I guess, I did this thing where I just stopped. Like, I haven't washed my face other than with water in uh, two years, something like that. Like, I don't. I, I will clean it, but I don't use soap. I don't use anything. You and look fantastic, Rob. Exactly. I, like, they're all... <laughs> I want to do... No, but I, I don't mean, like, that I'm handsome. I mean, my face doesn't have any blemishes on it. <laughs> my face doesn't have acne on it right now. And when I do get it, it's a lot less bad. And the only way I can make the only way I make it worse is by touching it and affecting it and trying to deal with it. So 
I want to take that same approach to my skin and to everything because it just, it works so well. And like same with my hair, my hair, I wash every day, but if I stopped, like I'd be so happy and I would just take a month or something to get used to it. You have to fight through that re whatever period where your body gets used to the changes and then it'll be fine. So when you, people in the middle ages in Europe didn't shower like they showered or bathed once a month or once a year or however much they could afford to. I think there was there was a specific quote about, I think it was Queen Victoria or something like that, and they said she took a bath once a, like once a month, whether she needed it or not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I absolutely believe that, because if, if you're not dirty, if you didn't roll around in um, in mud, you don't need to shower. The only reason you would need to shower is to get this bacteria that was bad that was causing the odor off you if there's no bacteria that's causing the odor because you have a healthy microbiome that just makes your skin thrive you don't need it i think it's more like everyone just walked around smelling nasty there there was there were people that were smelling nasty i'm not i'm not trying to say there wasn't but there's also a thing of how when i smell bad i don't smell it so that's the whole point bad, nobody right. would smell it Right. I mean, I'm going to throw that, like, the fact that there's there's such a diversity of bacteria just out there everywhere at all times, like, the oil, uh, the BP spill in the Gulf of Mexico has caused a certain random kind of bacteria to flourish, which feeds on crude oil, basically, more or less. Like, the Pacific gyre of plastic... Mm-hmm. They found bacteria starting to flourish, which feeds on plastic. Yeah. I think there's even a kind of... It might even be as big a, an organism as, like, worms or something like that. There's an organism that feeds on heavy metals, and so there have been heavy metal spills that are actively being cleaned up by just these random organisms that come out of the woodwork whenever a new food source comes up. Yeah. So I don't think it's that unreasonable to assume that in a handful worth of dirt, there's something that would help or keep you smelling less offensive. Right, or not, or be able to cl- keep your, your skin refreshed and clean, but without causing a smell. Yeah. And, and they obviously survive, th- those bacteria survive soap. Because you can wash yourself and the next day you're going to be smelly. Whereas if you, you can never did that... Not. Sorry? Did you say can or cannot survive soap? Can. Some of them can, because you still have them on your body. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't think many things survive true soap. Well, what's true soap? Like antibacterial soap? Like lye soap. Right. No, I don't. Use, I also don't use... I hate the feel of lye soap. It takes a layer off your skin, and I, ugh, I don't like it. I use a body wash that doesn't do that specifically because I hate that feeling. So do you like your uh, sodium lauryl sulfate? Yeah. I do. I like staying clean but not removing a layer of skin. How do you even call that truly clean, Rob? I don't. (laughs) Do you even exfoliate, bro? I'm a horrible mess. I'm fully foliated. (laughs) So, Uh, Rob, while bathing in your own filth, um, why don't you... Go on. 
why don't you talk to us about your next topic? My next topic? Well, my next topic is sort of, we're at an hour. Do we want to put death in its own episode? Do you want to talk about it now? Do you want to talk about it in the after show? We could talk about it again in the after show, but yeah. like we... We'd need to do an episode on it, but we'll talk about it. We'll, we'll get more fodder for it. Teaser part two. Yeah. <laughs> is there is there anything else we want to talk about on what we've said? I don't think so. Just talk to your doctor. Yes. Yeah. If you're having a problem, absolutely talk to your doctor. For the love um, of God, don't just take our word for it. <laughs> <laughs> there are some things you can take our word for, but medical advice is not one of them. I, I'm confident giving advice based on physics and chemistry, <laughs> but not medicine. <laughs> opinion, by all means, if you have the symptoms of Ebola, go to the hospital, but you're going to spend a long time in quarantine to make sure you actually believe that you have it. Or if you're in Quebec, you're going to get sent home. <laughs> well, the guy in Texas got sent home, too. Yeah, that's true. But he was he was told to stay alone. He, I don't think he told anyone at the hospital that, was, that he'd come from Liberia. Yeah. Apparently that he did. That, apparently he did mention something about West Africa. I don't know. Is Maybe. this like the worst example of first world problems? <laughs> what would that be? Well, we are in the first world and we are sending people home with Ebola. <laughs> or Ebola-like so. symptoms. I guess. It's kind of like when you go to a walking clinic and you're like, uh, I think I'm sick. It's like it's just a cold. Go home. And it's like <laughs> <laughs> it's like you didn't even run any tests. And I'm like, okay, fine, I'll do a swab. And they'll like swab you, and they probably won't even do anything with it. And then well, no, it just takes a long time to run a swab because you have to let it incubate for how many hours? I don't even know. At least 24, I think. Oh. I'll yeah. swab you, Mike. Don't worry. Oh, thank you. I feel cared for. You will. <laughs> right. <laughs> so after uh, show? Yeah, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do this real slow at this point. So if you wanna, if you wanna follow the show, we can be found on Twitter at Future Chats with an S because Future Chat was already taken. If person <laughs> who has the word Future Chat is listening, please contact me because you don't tweet. <laughs> uh, you can find us on Facebook or Future Chat, but again, I can post it there. But uh, it's probably not worth it. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Google Plus. We're uh, we're Future Chat on Google Plus or on YouTube. We had 11 new views of our Facebook page. We did. I saw that the other day too. <laughs> I know. I was shocked. I don't even know what that means. It didn't. Yeah. No more detail. No. I, I was like looking for a list of people who viewed us or anything, and it was like, nope. Just, yeah. yeah. They want to keep confidential data for themselves. <laughs> Unless you pay. Right. But uh, Right, of course. Yeah. Give us a follow. All right, you guys, mute, mute yourselves. This is, I've had enough of this. We're going to the after show. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Future Chat. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us on Google+. We're all over Twitter. We're uh, looking to get interested in posting more science articles and tech articles on Twitter, or at least I am. Uh, anyways, we'll see you next week. I hope you really enjoyed the show. Tell your friends if you have any. I know we don't. At least I don't. See you guys later.
I don't know where that. I don't know why I went there, but <laughs> but I went there. <laughs> Um, I, I was posting articles, but then no one favorited them, no one retweeted them, no comments. Is this show the fact... What were you saying? It's discouraging not seeing interaction I from know. our followers. I keep going. The, this show, the fact that it was up or was starting, got two favorites. I'm like, going to uh, engage in an after-show experiment and just talk directly into the mic like this. Okay. It sounds It sounds really good when you do that. Thank you, Mike. Just don't breathe. <laughs> don't breathe heavily into it. That's a I'm really excited to be here, guys. <laughs> I'm gonna love future chat. I I want to talk a bit off topic before we get into that because I find it very strange. Does it work for me too? Interruption need to be a part of that. <laughs> uh, okay. Sorry. Go um, ahead. There are lots of people, and I'm trying to figure out if I'm doing this wrong, or if people that are in my social circles are doing this wrong. Because I feel like we put together a pretty entertaining show, and it is getting a following. I see it increasing every week. But it's slow, and I don't see a lot of people, except on Google+, resharing the stuff. Like, I do see people on, on uh, Google+, resharing it. But it's, it's so strange. So I want to know, if people, if people have gotten this far in the episode, uh, and you like the show, what do you, why don't you tell people about it? I feel like if they got this far in the show, they probably like it. Because why else would you sit through the full hour? Why well, sit through the full hour and then stick around after the music has played? Maybe they just really don't have anything to do, or maybe they just like hearing us talk. They're not particularly engaged in it or anything. They're just like, look at those three handsome gentlemen. Like we still, I, I don't know. I don't really know how much, how well the iTunes reviewing system works. How easy it is. Like I've only left a couple of reviews and it's on my phone, but uh, we still only have the one review from Scott Beasy. <laughs> And although we're on the, out, are we? <laughs> sorry, we're calling him out, are we? <laughs> we are, well, his name is public. You, you go to the iTunes thing, and it'll okay. show up. But we now have on one of the feeds, there's a suggested. If you if you like this show, you're gonna like this other show as well. So we're we're in there. There's a show called Learning Machines, uh, and so on future side chats uh, thing. It says the listeners of our show have also subscribed to Learning Machines 101. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're getting somewhere. Should but, we talk uh, to the people at Learning Machines? It sounds like they've got a great podcast. If It sounds like it. The you audience know, that we have. What I think we need is an endorsement from a popular social network figure. Yeah. Like if, if Adam Savage like gave us a shout out and was like, oh, check out this podcast. We should totally ask uh, Nenshi. He retweets everything. He does. Ask who? Nenshi. Nenshi. I know who that is. Our, our mayor. Mine the and Nick's mayor. Well, he's not my mayor yet. <laughs> well, he's I already accepted we're getting That's there. how awesome he is. He's already accepted you. When, when was he elected? Like four years ago. Oh. And then again just recently. Yeah. Okay. So I think I've only probably been there for like two weeks. Well, I haven't had any interaction with him. I'm sure he's a small guy. 
especially yes. if he's going to promote this. But uh, yeah, I agreed on that. So uh, Learning Machines 101 has had 13 episodes. And all I can really see is that they're all clean. Um, then she talked to me once on Twitter. It was nice. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he said that he was in London for the day. And I tweeted back excitedly being like, yeah, for a second I thought you meant like the London I'm in. And he was <laughs> like, well, later this month. And it wasn't, I couldn't find advertisements for it anywhere yet, but he did actually come to London later that month. Interesting. I didn't go to see it because it was 40 bucks a ticket. And... <laughs> uh, all right, let's talk death. Uh, let's, let's, I, I don't want to say grease some wheels because you got mad at me last time, but let's, <laughs> let's wet some appetites for a death episode. Okay. Uh, so I th- we probably do it soon if we're going to do it. I would assume so, yeah. Makes uh, sense. Because there's a couple people that have said things, made claims, or, or what would you call it? They've made news about wanting to die there's a pro- with the woman who, what was it, November 29th, she wanted to die? Oh, like euthanasia kind of stuff? I think so. And okay. then there's well, self, self-euthanasia. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Assisted suicide, I believe is what they call it. But it's not assisted, though, because that's illegal. Right. But, well, it's, how is she going to do it? If it's not assisted suicide, then it's just suicide. Right. Uh, yeah. That's the point. How is she going to do it? With a pill. Human obsolescence. So... I guess the whole thing is that in Oregon, where they went, because it's legal there, that the doctor is allowed to provide a pill to make someone pass, but they're not allowed to actually assist in the giving. Like, So they can't give them like an injection, but they can give them a pill and say, this will make things yeah. quiet for you. There's also a lot of stuff going around the States right now with the death penalty and how drugs that they are using, the injections that they're giving don't kill people right away. Like mm-hmm. they, they're very painful and they cause like hours of suffering before they actually die. Well, and that's, that's a consequence of uh, the, the pharmaceutical companies in Europe refusing to sell. couldn't guarantee that it wasn't going to be used for uh, mm-hmm. killing prisoners. Because, I mean, moral objections. And yeah, it turns out those drugs worked really well, and there's not a suitable substitute. Nope. <laughs> or at least not one they found so far that they have to use it. Yeah. yeah. So let's get, a, let's get all ethical up in here, and uh, maybe everyone gives their opinion on yay or nay for compassionate suicide. Yeah. Or do, do you consider yourself having already given your take, or do you want to do it again, or restate it? I'll do it last after you guys do it. <laughs> uh, I don't mind starting, but I don't have to start. I haven't really taken any time to formulate an opinion. Go ahead, Nick. For the purposes of the show. <laughs> okay, Nick, you uh, you go ahead and spew the first thing that comes to mind, because you haven't really properly developed the idea yet. Um It's odd to say, but I mean, and I mean, like, are just for the purpose of the conversation, are we talking active euthanasia or passive euthanasia? 
So active euthanasia being when you give someone something that is going to kill them, and passive being like taking a feeding tube out or, you know, similar kind of thing. Taking a witch. Taking someone off off life support. Rather than, like, actively killing someone, just taking away the thing that's keeping them alive. I think we're talking about active in this case. Yeah. Okay. Because, like, both my grandfathers were passively euthanized, and I'm... I mean, it's sad, but I'm basically happy that it went that way. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. Um, but active euthanasia, I mean... I've seen... Like, in my personal life, I've seen people go through suffering for over the course of months and stuff like that when the situation was just completely and abjectly hopeless. And... If you know that death is coming anyway, I think that you should have a right to actually end it without going through that period of hardship and suffering for everyone. And I mean, the, and this isn't necessarily a good argument, but like the dog that we had during my childhood, like I cared more for that dog than probably the majority of people that I've met in my life. And when the dog, you know, when a dog gets to the point where they're just suffering all the time and they're not enjoying life anymore just because of all the suffering, you you look at the poor dog and go, it's not fair to subject them to this life anymore. So they're actively euthanized. And I think, like that level of a compassionate choice for the dog, I think it's a little hypocritical of us to say, oh, well, it's fine for a dog, but for a human being that not only suffers, but is fully conscious of what's going to come. Like, it just seems unfair to subject people to that. Yeah. Based on just compassion. Mm Mm-hmm. Do, do you have anything that's what more I to say on the matter? Sorry, me? Yeah. Uh, no, I think I've said. Okay. I've said what I wanted to say. I I guess I haven't had any experience with death immediately. Um, if when I did, it was I was young enough that it was sort of an abstract concept, and. So my tendency is to sort of not avoid talking about it, but to avoid avoid it directly. But when you get to a point, either for medical reasons or for age reasons, quality of life reasons, if someone, I feel like they should have the power to decide for themselves if they want to in their lives. I think that if if an 80-year-old finds out they have cancer and know they have to go through two years of chemo and then they have a 20% chance of survival, for instance, they should have the right and the ability to say, that's not worth it for me, I've lived my life, whereas someone who is 12 and finds out the same information, that they have, they have to go through two years of chemo and then they have a 20% chance of survival, they would absolutely be willing to go through that 
but it should be, and again, if you're talking about a minor, their parents would obviously have to be involved and they would have to have all the information and they would obviously help making, making the decision. But I think it's different for everyone and it depends on circumstance. So it's really hard to make a law or to, to regulate that. I think that some people should have to have the choice or at least have input into what happens. So I guess I would say if someone who's 75 years old says they want to die at 75, who am I to say no? If we're talking about suicide from depression, I think that's a different issue. But if we're talking about someone whose quality of life has started to decrease and they don't want it to decrease more, they've lived their life, then that's like, I, I don't have the power to stop them. I shouldn't get in the way of that. Well, and some of the euthanasia laws on the books have specific requirements, like the person is of sound mind to make the decision, and they're facing a chronic illness that it is not going to get better, and they are going to die eventually. It's just shortening that period of time. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a step in the right direction towards regulation. Mm -hmm. You could, I don't know, Rob, you mentioned about quality of life, like, you could argue that mental health substantially decreases your quality of life too. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's fair to say that you know people with depression shouldn't be under that same umbrella in when you're talking about quality of life sense because I would never want to be you know in a state of depression myself obviously because I can't imagine that being any sort of quality of life no. compared to not having it. Right. I, I guess I should qualify that I mean untreated depression. Either, uh, like, I think therapeutical treatment is a lot more effective and useful than medical treatment. There there might be certain cases where medical treatment is all you can really do. But I certainly don't mean to suggest that people with um, mental illnesses or mental illnesses that cause depression should be excluded from a group that has low quality of life. Like obviously that kind of thing, that would lower your quality of life. There's no doubt about it. It would, it would lower your quality of life more than almost anything else. Uh, I just mean that it in and of itself, depression wouldn't be a reason to, to medically end your life. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's more like say a terminal diagnosis for cancer is a lot more final and, foregone than depression where you know there's not like you're depressed for the rest of your life like that wouldn't that wouldn't be a diagnosis like there's things you can do to manage the depression and ideally conquer it like I, i don't know enough about depression about how you cure it or anything like that but i can imagine that there's a lot more treatment for it than a terminal illness where it's just a matter of time before yeah you're you're done it's inherently different and with one of the biggest issues that I saw, and um, I'm going to talk about Robin Williams because that's the most recent example of someone who has gone through his battle depression and committed suicide. I think that what you can safely say is that they shouldn't have to stay, they shouldn't have to suffer through depression, but there's such a stigma with being depressed and medicating and 
like suffering through it that most people that are depressed have to suffer through it alone or with maybe one other person. They can't be they can't be public about it because there's this stigma associated with it. It's, there's something wrong with you. Like it's you, you can fix this. It's very easy. You just have to take, do this, this, and this. That's not how depression works. And so I think if there was less of a stigma and people were able to better, more easily deal with it publicly, that you wouldn't, you would, you'd see more effective treatments for depression come up. And I'm really happy that people like, I think it's Clara Hughes recently did her bike ride to talk about mental illness. And like just it's becoming more it's coming more and more into the public eye, like people talking about depression and mental illness in general. And I'm I'm glad that that's happening because all the statistics we have indicate that the vast majority of people go through some form of mental illness in their, you know, in their lifetime. And it seems unfair to, you know, say, oh, well, someone's sick, like with a cold, like, oh, that poor person, they should you know, seek treatment or, you know, get better. But if it's a mental illness, it's like, well, fuck up. Like, what's your problem? Stop being depressed. Feel good instead just, of feeling depressed. Just be happy. Stop being yeah. sad. What the hell's the matter with you? You have so much to be happy for. Be happy. <laughs> when it's like, that's just, that something has gone wrong in the brain and it's not something that can help necessarily. Yeah. Medically, that's just like one of the least helpful things you could ever do to a person tell them to get over it. Yeah. So it's like when my when I broke my hip, like they didn't look at me and go, "Why aren't you walking? <laughs> Start walking again. What's the matter with you?" I think I did that a bit at the start. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I should have known. <laughs> yeah. Rob, it was very insensitive of you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh is there do we want to do we want to save that? The rest of that for a, an episode? Is there anything more we want to say? Man, we could almost make it a separate show about death from the two after shows we've had already. I know. <laughs> I know. We'll just stitch them together and no one would the difference. I think it'd be a neat idea, but anyway. We'll take what we've talked about so far and then we'll make it into a full episode at some point. Sure. Um, so I guess we should mention that there will not be a show next week. Probably, Aww. in retrospect, should have mentioned it earlier. <laughs> but uh, Nick's in the process of moving across the country, and I've got a lot of wedding-related stuff to do next weekend, and so we're just going to hold off. And Man, the weekend of weddings. Whatever. There's no actual weddings. There's just... I'm going to a wedding. Oh, well then... Yeah, I take it back. <laughs> Mike, do you have a wedding-related excuse? No, I don't. Do you have a marriage-related? I, I have a marriage-related. Yeah. Oh, so you you had a wedding, and now you've yeah. got something that's yeah. come up because what? No, so it's no, every, every day is marriage-related. Yeah. One of us is pre-wedding. One of us is during a wedding. One of us is post-wedding. <laughs> let us let us just uh, put a note out to our viewers: weddings hurt. <laughs> wedding co- weddings cause problems. Interrupting future chat, yeah. and we need to get our priorities on order on the on the issues. Absolutely. What's more important, your happiness or the happiness of all the viewers of future chat? <laughs> of which there are more than your joking. <laughs> <comes across. laughs>
<coughs> Details. All right, let's go drink lots of fluids and rest. And uh, sounds like a good idea. Um, where I don't, I'm still thinking. Let's let's ponder over these two weeks. We could we could do go a lot of directions with this. We could theoretically close out the season of future chat, start fresh. We could do anything we want. The world is our future oyster. I guess the future is our oyster is a better tagline. Yeah. Um, we might do a redesign of the show. We might. Yeah. We'll talk about it. Okay. Not we're not. I don't think we're going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. But. I'm going I, somewhere, but I, I'm still down with being the being yeah. on the show. I don't know if I don't know if we're going to keep alternating science and tech. We might close tech. We might rejigger it a bit. Yeah. But, uh, thanks for listening. Just as a side note, there's a Google event happening in the next two weeks, so stay tuned for news from that. Ooh. There's also an Apple event happening in the next two weeks, so stay wow. tuned for that. We'll have to stay tuned for both. <laughs> yeah. What, is, people are doing science now? all the time, so What's there's that, that too. Oh, the and people are done. Oh, <laughs> are, are you talking to Rob or me? Talking to Rob. announced. What What are you saying, Rob? <laughs> What's the Google event announced? Does it have a date and time? Uh, I think they said the 16th. That, that's the Apple event. Yeah, I think it was. It's supposed to be the same day as the Apple event. I don't believe that. It is. Look it up. I will. Is it a Google Plus event or is it a no, Nexus? No, it's like a Nexus Six Nine and Android L. Okay. Event. And it's going to be the same day. That's yeah. That's, no, you can't yeah. do that. They did. Uh, no, they didn't. They can, and they <laughs> did. Rob, buy it. I'm looking this up right now. Uh. Just go Google event October 16th. Tons there. Yeah, I was going to say, like, it's not a formal event, but science is being done every day. <laughs> well, we could we could do, like, a go through what's new in science every week. We absolutely could. I think do we that. should. I'd, I'd like to introduce a segment aspect to the show. Yeah. I think oh. we're gonna have a. I think we're gonna have a change. We should introduce segments. Yeah, we'll have to start scouring Science Daily. Yeah, exactly. Science Daily, the journals. I'm getting back I'm into. I'm not doing the journals. I'm getting back into no, like journal abstracts, for instance. I'm not paying for journals. <laughs> Just read oh, Wired. Okay. Wired has good yeah. science articles. Uh, it says October fifteenth. Fifteenth, though. Is that official or rumored? According to a Google Plus post, there's a good chance that Google uh, is not confident <laughs> big is due for October 15th from Google. No. Oh. So it hasn't been announced. This is October 9th, so this is two days ago? Yesterday. Or maybe my watch is behind. What day is it? Oh, yeah, my watch is behind. It's that far behind. <laughs> well, it's it's a dial one, so every time a month has thirty days, it's behind a day. Oh. But yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't see any confirmed. Like if I type in Google Fall Event, Nexus Six tipped for fall release. I don't see it. There's no actual date. 
I'm going to go on a complete tangent here for a second and say every time I've muted my mic to blow my nose, I hear a ding in the middle of it. And it's the thing that comes up and says, are you trying to talk to people? Unmute, unmute your microphone. Like, no. Stop. Oh, school, can you not tell, like, the sound of a sneeze or a blowing nose? Oh, Apparently, it, actually... Th- no, I'm, they did the thing for typing. Yeah, I'm going to test right now. Uh... I'll tell you if we can hear it. Yeah, I can hear the typing. Yeah, we can all hear the no, typing. No, you can hear the typing. I'm going to see if they filter it out. Oh. It was also like the loudest possible typing that I could ever do. If I type normally... I think they also have started to filter out echoes based on our test chat the other day. Yeah, yesterday. I think so too. Which is interesting. Yeah, I, I when you said you were hearing echoes, I didn't hear echoes. So yeah, I didn't hear echoes on the playback either, but I know I heard the echo. Yeah, the main feed isn't necessarily the same as what the participants each hear. Marvelous. Hmm. Yeah, it doesn't play. For instance, it doesn't play my voice back through the system. It just records it. Hmm. It's pretty cool. It's like a built-in internet mixer. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So are we done? I think we so. done. All right. Uh, if you have any input, as I mentioned, you can find us on future chats on Twitter. If you have suggestions or th- directions you'd like to see us go or be interested to see us go, by by all means, let us know that. But otherwise, we're just gonna do what we want. And we might still do that anyways. I was gonna say, I think we'll do that anyways. Let's say, talk about the iPhone six, Rob. Yeah, would, yeah, is it reliable? It's great. <laughs> Super reliable, that guy. I'm sorry <laughs> I didn't email you before I made this video. But uh, it is very reliable. I've had, no, I've had no qualms about its size, although I kind of wish that it was the same look, but four inches. You can't win them all. It's always about size with you, so Rob. So you just I want wish an iPod. smaller. So, Rob, you want an iPod Touch? Is that what you're saying? I do. Are you so saying you can't, yeah, that's what I want. You can't handle a full six inches, Rob? Uh, this is only four point seven inches. Oh my. It seems huge to me. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should end this before it gets any more of that. Yep. All Pleasure right. talking to you both. Talk to you guys in two weeks. Toodaloo. Bye. <laughs>